0: This presentation is from Service Design 2016, held in Melbourne in March. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.
1: So I'd like to introduce Julie and Janine. They're going to be talking about um, a, a case study in which they're trying to design with as as well as for, but in particular with a group who are in many ways sort of difficult to engage with, um, but at risk in in certain ways as well. So it's not um, just go out and talk to people. This is a very, very specific targeted group of people, and we're going to hear about how they went about doing it. So I'd like you to join me in welcoming them to the stage. Thank you.
2: Um, good morning, everyone. My name's Julie Tucker. Um, I'm the uh, research lead on this project. I'm with Swinburne University of Technology, and I'm here um, with my colleague Janine Sisson, who's the co-design facilitator, um, and we work together on this project. We're going to talk to you today about co-designing for service and co-designing with people who are affected by asbestos-related disease. Right. I'd like to begin, of course, by thanking the organisations which supported it, so uh, research in university requires um, outside supporters, and we've been very lucky to have the Outer Foundation, the Australian Communities Foundation, Slater and Gordon solicitors who've helped us with this. Um, right. First of all, um, I'd just like to let you know briefly what you can expect from our presentation today. Um, We're first of all going to talk briefly about why we use co-design in this research project um, and particularly with with respect to people affected by asbestos-related disease. Janine's going to talk about the Dusted Community Online Community Prototype, which is the result of our co-design process. Where to next, which is obviously important for um, research questions and questions. So um, why work with people who are affected by asbestos-related disease in Australia? This is our project in context. It's basically because asbestos, whilst you might think it's a problem of the past, is still very much a problem in Australia. We have, um, whilst we don't have people actually manufacturing asbestos anymore, we live in a country in which asbestos in, is embedded throughout our built environment. And this is a picture of a fibro house, which um, we see in all parts of Australia. And they were built in their thousands in the 1950s, right through the 1980s, and a lot of them remain in place. Um, So we did see lots of waves of people who were exposed to asbestos and became very ill as a result. Um, It used to be in the workplace when people were manufacturing asbestos, but now it takes place um, primarily because people come into contact with asbestos in their built environment. Sometimes it's because they're doing DIY and home renovations, Um, sometimes it's because they're working in an environment where asbestos is still in that building. Um, and you probably all have heard of the Mr Fluffy um, asbestos case which took place last year in Canberra when they discovered a whole lot of buildings in Canberra and New South Wales was still um, suffering from asbestos fibre which had been pumped into the roof. So it's an ongoing issue in Australia. We chose to work with this group um, as a result of previous research which we'd undertaken which showed that people who had a diagnosis of asbestos-related disease, um, something like mesothelioma or lung cancer, whilst they had a lot of medical support, what they didn't have was social support around them. It's a very devastating diagnosis. Um, You can frequently be dead within 12 months of getting a diagnosis. So people were dropped into this big world of hurt and pain they didn't have the opportunity to get the support they needed from people who'd walked that same path and people who'd experienced that who knew exactly what they were going through. And also for the people who had walked that path, who'd been carers, who'd watched their own loved ones die, they wanted an opportunity to mentor and to support the people who are now going through it. So it was a way of bringing people together, um, this project, and um, talking about how we could design a place for them to share their knowledge and experience. And remember that people. Some people live in the cities, but a lot of people who are sick live in the country and regional Australia, and it's particularly difficult to make contact with other people when you're in a small regional town and you're very, very sick. So this is our service design question. How might we design a place to share knowledge and experience for people affected... Asbestos related disease, irrespective of where they live in Australia. So that, that brings into um, play that regional context. How can we bring people together? We're not trying to replace face to face support group or telephone support group or any of the organisations. In fact, we're trying to work with them and support them so that they can reach out to people who aren't physically proximate to their offices. So, why use co design? Um, we realised that the group that we were going to work with, people who'd been affected by asbestos-related disease and carers and past carers, needed a really genuine learning eng- um, environment. Uh, we needed to create something which was of relevance to their lives, which was really authentic, um, which allowed them to reflect and have space to share their own ideas, and which was really collaborative. We were asking people to come together and to share really personal experiences um, and often uh, on a really sensitive subject so, co design provided a way that we could actually work um, with people rather than just standing up here and kind of lecturing at them, as often is the case in research projects. Um, so, that's why we use co design. Uh, I don't think I need say anything about it. What I'd like to do now is to pass over to Janine, who's going to actually take you through our co design process and show you um, some of the methods that we used and um, what came out of our design
0: project. OK, thanks. So I'm Janine, and I'm a designer and facilitator on this project. There were five co-design workshops um, that were two and a half hours each, uh, and over a couple of months. Um, what I'm going to show here is a short video, of just to give an overview of the feel of the workshops. Uh, they're not in chronological order. And um, just to introduce what we did. And it shows the various design methods and different ways that we engaged with um, those that were attending. So that again the question, and this was central to um, focusing each of the workshops. Yeah, so what we did in the workshops is uh, we asked people to come. To an unfamiliar place, but a friendly place. In this case, it was the Swinburne Design Factory, um, and we shared short stories and experiences, directed to understand that. How might we question? Um, so, at the we use a, something like the design factory because you're able to write on the walls, you're able to change things, and it was important that, uh, with such a um, dire subject, that people felt comfortable. So work, there was, as I said, five workshops. I'm going to go, run through some of the workshops. Um, this was workshop one, where we explored the how might we question. So there wasn't a lot of participants, and in, this small, in small groups, we used things like butcher's paper. So we'd break down that huge question and put the subject in the middle, so it might be people affected by asbestos-related disease, and pop that in the centre then everybody could write their individual thoughts about who they thought that referred to and then we'd rotate the paper around, for example, and then you could see what others had written, you could add to that. Um, So you you were able to get people to contribute without having to necessarily voice, um, being like me, perhaps not wanting to talk in front of a whole lot of people. Um, So that was really good. And the other thing we did in that particular workshop was... Personas. So we created some personas, and these were really important as well. They turned out to be great ways of people being able to talk about somebody they had lost. So in this case, it was Richard, and a number of people identified with a character like Richard. Um, so these became these were fictional characters, but they allowed people to tell their stories but not have to confront that that they're talking about their loved one. Um, So you can see how Richard started off in the first workshop in the red, um, and he was developed up over the workshops. And um, his best mate, Ken, was also listed in that first one. And he became, Ken became an important person um, in the in Richard's life. So sometimes it might have been the spouse who was important, more important, but in this case, Ken worked out to be very important. Um, In between the workshops, you know, post-it notes on walls are really quite hard for the, the next group, if they're not the same group, to understand what happened, what went on. And we were doing consecutive workshops. Some of the people were core... But some of the people were changing. So in between, um, I've got a graphic design background, so I perhaps this might have been the, this was the um, post-it notes on the wall, and I've just put that in a form that the next group will be under, able to understand a bit more of a stakeholder map, uh, just to show people what went on, and that that was quite important because that visual evidence um, allowed each new set of people to understand what we were doing. The next one that's going to come up is around the workshop two, which was user journeys. Now, in service design, quite often you might, might do a service you'll do from before the service begins and till after the customer leaves. And in this case, you're talk, what you're talking about is before diagnosis and then after death. So we had to be very careful about how we even asked them to complete a user journey uh, on on a subject um, like this. But these people um, had volunteered, um, were aware of what we were going to be doing, and um, they were very gracious in in sharing their experiences. And once they got into these uh, user journeys, uh, again, two small groups around two, two of the characters. One was that Richard I mentioned another one was a Henriette who I'll introduce shortly. But it was um, really important uh, for them to be able to talk about their experiences. A bit like the PTV, um, people want to tell you about the things that happened about, around things. So it's very important to get everyone's story and listen to what was said. So this is another one of the personas, um, Henriette. So this is a stock photography, but um, I want you to imagine Henriette with her three children and her husband, Peter. And I'm just going to read... There's a couple of passages that will take... You might have to listen. Um, of two of the parts of the user journey, the first um, section before diagnosis and then the next one. And so I want you to th- imagine that... Henriette might be a relative, might be a school mum, a work colleague, um, someone you might know. So Henriette noticed she was coughing and out of breath whilst running after her children. This was very unusual for her. She mentioned this to her husband, Peter. Henriette went to the her GP who thought she was just run down or had a bad cold. She noticed no improvement over the next three to four weeks and so revisited her GP. The doctor prescribed antibiotics and said "To rest up." A month went past, and she and her hubby noticed no improvement at all. On the third visit, the doctor refers her for a chest X-ray. Meanwhile, her friends and her parents noticed she is not her usual self. So they, they got into quite a bit of detail because part of what they, they wanted to tell us was that it was very hard to get a diagnosis, and, you know, you've got a cough. It, you know, who's to think? So the next one was the point of diagnosis. <laughs> Henriette, together with her husband, visit the doctor a week after her x-ray. The doctor advises her she needs to be referred to a respiratory specialist in Melbourne, at least a two hour drive from home. Henriette is worried about her kids and how she going to organise care for her Melbourne visit. She advised her children that mummy has a bad cough and needs to see a specialist in Melbourne. Peter organises a day off work to be with Henriette for the appointment. Henriette organises her appointment for as soon as possible, which is two weeks away. During the fortnight wait, Henriette and Peter both start going onto the internet and doing research rebad read bad coughs and their possible causes. Secretly, her 14-year-old daughter, Imogen, is also googling possible causes for mummy's cough. At her appointment with the specialist, Henriette and Peter are told that fluid on the lung is suspected and that a biopsy will need to be performed for a proper diagnosis. The biopsy is booked for two weeks' time. Henriette is confirmed as suffering from mesothelioma, a terminal illness, during her following up meeting with the specialist. She feels like a bombshell has been dropped on her. So, we got the message that one minute you're just a bit out of breath and after an unknown, you know, indeterminate diagnosis, eventually someone tells you you're about to die. So it was a very powerful way of us understanding how they might be feeling at certain parts of the journey and how that might be important when we were creating something like a website, you know, and I'll speak more about that later. So including Henriette's um, name and family and emotions and and actions plus the reality of the daughter's curiosity and access to the internet paints a real picture. So again, after the um, the, the workshop, just went down and from that user journey, those two user journeys, pulled down things that were said around... Different things, so value, emotional, physical, and people in in each of those that user journey sequence. And I don't know if you can read that emotional, um, sorry, emotional journey, but it starts off she's busy and active, um, and then through the sequence she ha- it, gives, it gives you different things the way she felt, and then. The physical one, for example, just tells you who was there at that time and, and perhaps that gives us clues on if we're building a service, you know, who, who we should be talking to, where they will be at that particular time, what will be useful at, at, at each of those times. Uh, workshop three. Now, we had a whole lot of new participants come in for this one, so I had to sort of allow for, you know, you had to be flexible in this sort of environment because we wouldn't actually know the day before who might turn up because there might have been a train strike or <laughs> something like that. So, these user journeys were really great for structuring um, everybody a whole lot of new people's input. They all wanted to tell their story. They were all here. That's what they expected to do, to be able to contribute um, their information, their stories, But using the structure of um, the Peter and Henriette stories, they were able to um, at least move on, and we had two complete stories. So from that, um, this is an early prototype of what was going to be um, the online part of it. So what I actually did was just put some butcher's paper down and pulled down what they um, had said. So in that um, thing where they just found out about diagnosis, you know, just diagnosed, what was it about that section? What was the content in there? How were they feeling? What sort of things would be relevant in that time? And you can sort of see also the co-design part of it. You can see the different handwriting, all the contributions that people um, have made over the, the other three workshops. Um, yeah, so I, I grouped them and sort of thought about also the um, other people in the sufferer's life, the carer, the supporter like Ken. And so um, yeah, so this is an early prototype of what that was. And also after that workshop I um, started to do some storyboards about um, the, the user journeys, and I was, what I was trying to do here was work out how because there, there was a, some expectation around a, a, an online website, so how would they um, use that website when would they use that website? what was um, different about Henriette 's journey to the other persona which was Peter? how were their journeys you know what was uh, unique about the, the the journey. Um, and you can see the, the ones with the little picture squares of where the website's being used to, um, to tell the children. A video about um, something, how do you tell the children? Um, then information, the last one for example is um, for Henriette a location map so where she can find other people with her similar circumstance so that she can perhaps feel not so alone. Um, And then did an online prototype. Um, It's really bare bones at the moment because uh, we haven't got all the content. We've identified the content that we might like but not necessarily got the content that we would like. But you can see how the user journeys uh, contributed to the navigation labels that we have at the moment. So um, our stories relates to uh, Richard's and Henriette's story. So I've actually included them as sort of navigation, the way you can use the website. Um, And our stories would also include lived experience, so experience that all the stories that they told us, if we could capture them well, um, we could tell... We can reassure a lot of other people and let people know through the others' lived experience... So, um, And then we've got the Just Diagnosed, Living Matters and Final Journey. And they're directly from the user journey maps. Um, So the Just Diagnosed, we know that you're quite devastated. You don't want to be overwhelmed with a whole lot of information. So, um, you know, that we sort of know what to put in there. Um, Living Matters, well, you know, what do you need to do? What do you do next? So it's sort of like, you know... The will, getting the finances in order. Is there sort of some sort of dietary things, um, things that you know? How can I live with this? You know, ways, support mechanisms. You know, all sorts of things that might be in that phase of what you're doing. And then final journey is talking more around um, perhaps grief and coping, um, spiritual things. So things that people have been able to tell us, palliative care, um, they're all sort of contributed to that website at the moment and they were the main outcomes. And then I'm going to hand it back to you, Julie.
2: (laughs) So I'm on to the, um, the where to next question, which is also which is obviously an important one with a project like this. Um, having developed um, what we like to call a, like a prototype online community which is based on the experiences of all our um, co-design community here in Victoria, we've taken the dusted community um, outside to the wider community of people affected by asbestos-related disease. We started in New South Wales. I worked previously in New South Wales and um, taken the link to the community, to asbestos organisations, to some health professionals, to members of support groups and asked them to have a look at the link, um, go through the website, see if it works for them, see what navigation tools they like, what doesn't and where, what we've missed out, what gaps we have. Now obviously in a place like Australia you have different um, support organisations and structures depending on what state you live in. So... We've started to build a community in Victoria, but we obviously need to incorporate the experiences of um, people in lots of different states. We've had some really good feedback from professionals and from people with a diagnosis so far. Um, and one of the people that has, has been in touch would like to kind of start by sharing his story in the our story section. And that's good because we like to to be able to have people sharing their real stories and members coming onto the community and learning from others. What we, what we also realised doing this research is that it's, it's actually very therapeutic for people to be able to share their knowledge after they have been bereaved. And it's a way of kind of helping to come to terms with what's gone on and, um, and also help others. So we started um, right back in the presentation talking about Henriette and her journey with asbestos. This is a video which um, the participants put together in workshop four and it's their own way of describing how someone might use the dusted community um, and the online community that they've created. So you have to listen very carefully because it's very soft voices. ...with three young children has just
3: been diagnosed with mesothelioma, which is terminal. She and her husband Peter are devastated. They left the doctor's office with a referral to the oncologist and a brochure with the website address of Dusted Community, an online platform to help guide, connect and support people with asbestos-related disease. They need time to deal with the diagnosis. Henriette and Peter feel alone and need information. They use the Dusted Community website to inform themselves about MISO. Initially, they keep their devastating news secret from their children, family and friends. They find resources to help tell their children Imogen 14, Ben 10 and Harry 12 years about Meso on the website. Mm -hmm. Henriette is relieved as she was worried how to let them know. The website also helps as she tells her friends. Her friends want to help. On the website they find how friends can help In the what to do lists. They use the lists to organise a food roster and carpooling for the kids' sports. Poor Henriette and Pete, Peter and Henriette are relieved for the help. Henriette's parents are distracted with guilt. Her father says, why her, why not me? It appears home renovations in the family home when Henriette was a child is the probable cause of her prognosis. Peter notices a video around guilt in the Did You Know section of the website. After Henriette's parents watch this, they talk about it, and Henriette assures them she doesn't blame them. A burden is lifted off Henriette's shoulders. As the disease progresses, Henriette feels alone and is isolated with her illness. On the Dusted Community website, she finds an online map and locates another young female sufferer in Perth. Henriette feels less alone as they speak in the online forum than Skype and email.
0: That's the end there.
2: And that's, the, um, that's the end of that particular one. That's really a slide just of the references of, of um, some of the work that we... Rely on and also the um, images apart from the one of the man with the fibro house. They were all from the the workshop. Um, So questions. Thank you very much for um, giving us this opportunity to share our journey and um, our story and uh, yes, happy to take any questions.
1: Thank you. Um, this is a really minor thing, but I, I love the video transition of just sort of wiping. That was beautiful. Uh, questions? Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, thank you for that. I wanted to ask um, a little bit about the decision-making between choosing to do co-design versus interviews. You know, it's a fairly sensitive subject, and I was just interested in why you did that.
2: Um. As a a part of this, this project has um, a history which goes back a couple of years, and the very first project that I was involved in around asbestos-related disease, we did, in fact, do do interviews. We did a series of 20 interviews um, with both people with a diagnosis and their carers in New South Wales. And it was from those interviews, I think, and the the data that we generated and and looked at as part of that project that we identified the fact that... um, Uh, A lot of people spoke about um, the the fact that when they have a diagnosis, one of the big things they have to deal with is isolation. So that's not only because the symptoms are so debilitating, but also you feel isolated from the rest of um, the community who might not understand why you have the disease, and you might be physically isolated because you live in a country town, even if you don't live in a country town, it's often hard to get to kind of support groups and maybe you don't want to go to a support group and sit with people who are, who are dying. So there's all those sort of reasons that people felt isolated, and not only the people with the diagnosis, but also their carers. So it was out of that um, research that we identified this need for kind of support um, and, and a place to share kind of experience and knowledge. That, the, um, that this kind of project evolved. So if you like, it was the... And it's actually the second iteration of this project. So the, first, the very first one we did, um, we didn't use principles of co-design. So what we, we had the idea that, you know, like a, it, would, it would be helpful perhaps to have an online community to give a space for people to come together, um, you know, at 12 o'clock at night if you're a carer who's really stressed and you just want to get on and speak to someone and you can't pick up the phone. Um, but what we did is we spoke to a kind of a, a designer and said, look, this is what we think as researchers would be really useful. We think this, this, and this, and what can you do? And they came back with something which was which was a nice website. I mean, it, was, it looked good, but then we took it to the people who were who that the interviewees and that we'd spoken to, and they're like, uh, yeah, but it's really clunky and, and we don't really want to talk about you know what movies we watch. And this is, you know, it was... It was good because it gave us a lot of feedback about what we didn't want to do, but what we became really clear that um, just because we'd built something which we thought was really good and, and which seemed to be informed by the research, because we hadn't had people in on the ground floor, they were like, well, interesting, but we've got so much going on in our lives, we don't have the patience to try and navigate around this. You know, really, you know, go away. So this project was, we used co-design as a way of not going down that same path. We could, have, we, had, we could have gone down the, okay, well that, that design didn't work the first time, let's get something more kind of flash and but we were like, okay, we'll, just, we'll go right back to the, the starting box and bring people in from the beginning. And it's going to take longer. And I remember talking to the funders and saying, look, I know that we said that this is what we're going to do, but are we going to do it a little bit differently because we've realised that we've got to go back and And actually start designing with the people who are going to be working. I mean, Julie
0: was really brave to um, to take it on this way. I think
2: it would have been easier just to go down the and for the funders. I could have gone, look, this is a really nice looking you know website. But they were, to their credit, they were all very good and said, well, look, you know, this you've obviously thought it through and we'll go this route. And I said, we can't. At the end of this project, you're not going to have an all bells and whistles project, but what you will have is something which really, which means a lot to the people who've designed it. And that's the feedback we've had from the health professionals. they like, well, this is exactly what people need. It is a journey. And it's also, it's not just about dying. It's actually about living really well in that time. So some of the things we've talked about with the people is like um, doing your bucket list. And then how do you travel overseas and do all these things if you've got a diagnosis? And who's got tips on good travel insurance? And what are the things you really... What countries don't you want to go to if you're doing this? So that's why we chose co-design, because it was was trying not to make the mistake of the first project, which was a very much research-driven one. Next question
3: over Thank you very much for your presentation. I think it's really, um, as you mentioned, courageous and brave to um, kind of share these kinds of research and design experiences because I think we're going to learn a lot from them. Um, my question is kind of around how you take care of yourselves as designers and researchers in this kind of process, which is uh, emotional for everybody.
2: Yeah, that's that's also a good question. Would you like to
0: comment about some of your techniques? Well, I'll, I'll take talk. it on because uh, yeah, it was eye-opening when I had to think about those user journeys and actually talk about before and after and we were actually talking about death. I thought you know, that was confronting for me, but the people who uh, we were talking to had experienced it. They'd lived with it. They'd chosen to come here, so they were OK with it. So it's more about, OK, well... And then I found, you know, I've got asbestos in my backyard. I've got asbestos in my house. You know, it's, it's amazing now when you're aware of these things, how it has, has, has had a, an effect on what I've thought about and how I think about things, yeah.
2: And uh, we, we built in time at the end of each workshop to sit together as a group as well, and just um, talk about what had happened, and and kind of reflect on, was there anything else that we needed to do? Particularly, it was quite an intense session, because because a lot, particularly Richard, was based very strongly around the, um, the husband of one of the participants. So for her telling this story, um, but three of them identified
0: yeah, they, that was their husband.
2: Yeah, and they did. And so with some of them, they were um, they were quite in, intense sessions, but we obviously we went through the, the whole ethics um, uh, approval before we did the project. And we had a lot of resources available for people that we could refer them to if they needed to talk. Um, and we built in a lot of um, talking and coffee and cake time in the workshops. Hugging. But hugging. They, they went way over time and we could have probably stretched the workshops to the entire day, but we built in lots of really nice brownies and food and
0: space so that,
2: so that we had downtime in between. Um, and and I tried, tried to make it,
0: as I said, playful and you know, it's part of also taking you out of your one thing and putting you in a different situation where you can, you can be a bit more free to think about other things. We had lots of coloured paper and stuff and dress-up. You know, that
2: whole kind of making it a much more not going into a university and sitting around a really kind of boring table and having people talk at you. We tried to... Everyone stood up and we did lots of... That really nice enacting and playing. We really enjoyed the workshops. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I have a question, which is these sorts of projects and researching these sorts of topics can be emotionally draining for you as much as it can be confronting for the participants. Did you do anything differently on this project to take care of yourself?
0: I think that's yeah. really what Are you these just the asked. things
1: that you're talking about?
0: Yeah.
2: And perhaps also because I'm, for myself, I'd come from, I'd been researching this area for a couple of years. So I was probably more prepared for for some of the stuff that was coming out, I think it might have been more confronting perhaps for Janine because it was her first time. Um, so for me, doing the, the interviews with people as part of the, my first project was probably more grueling because I was sitting one-to-one with people for three hours. But it, it, it was certainly something to be aware of, I think, and to have that downtime at the end of each of the...
0: But workshops. I was reassured by the, the people within the workshops. You know, I felt that they weren't uncomfortable. I felt that it was OK to be asking the questions, and they wanted to talk about it. I was reassured. Yeah. Great.
1: I think we have time for one more question. No? No. Lunch. Then it's lunch. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> then uh, please, thank Julie, right. Janine, thank you very much.
0: Thank you. We hope you liked this presentation from Service Design 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.